Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Marius Peterson of Norway's melodic death metal band Asferium joins me today. Marius is responsible for Asferium's powerful vocals and lends his talents as one of the band's guitarists as well. Asferium's latest album, The Embers of Eternity, was released in 2019, and they've most recently released a brand new single called Breaking the Gloom Hammer, strongly suggesting new music in the near future. Marius, thank you for taking this time out to speak with me today. It's good to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. It's my pleasure. So before we were chatting a little bit, we were not so sure if this would work because you're across the world. So um, for anyone listening, Marius is my first confirmed overseas guest, and I think that's pretty cool. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel honored. So you guys have been busy making new music, but before we get to that kind of chat, um, your drummer Bjorn, he had uh, surgery on his wrists this year, correct? Yeah. Both How's that going? In? Uh, he's... Uh improving a lot we've been me and him have been playing a lot recently jamming and coming up with new music and um yeah it's going really well his hands are healing and he can he can really play again good so and he's good up to the same speed and uh, yeah pretty much that's good so uh, we're working towards uh this uh, gig we have in the end of november mm-hmm uh, it's the 10 year anniversary of our first record oh, so cool. we're gonna play the whole album live for the first time from you know from start to finish nice so that's what we're practicing right now oh that'll be good yeah and it's a good way to get back into things yeah we, we used to play really fast <laughs> a lot of tough stuff on that first album so it's really mm-hmm. a lot of fun to practice and is it just a show or is it like a small tour uh, it's just one show. Cool. Yeah. So this morning I was going through uh, Spotify, just going through some of your music again, and I noticed uh, you guys have single artwork for A Voice for the Silenced and As We Walk Through the Ashes. They both seem like quite a bit darker than the album cover itself. Like it's uh, The Embers of Eternity has such a beautiful album cover and it's such a huge contrast to these two singles. Is that intentional? Yeah. It's uh, well. There's two things. So for um, the album artwork, it was the same guy that has done uh, the the record before that, the Fall of Therenia. Mm-hmm. Tobias Rutsch, He did both of those. And uh, for those singles, I did the artwork because we're broke, <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't afford to, you know, get more artwork. So I did it myself. So. Uh, that's a, a big part of the different style but also i tried to like find uh, some artwork that fit what i like picture in my head from the lyrics and the music mm-hmm. yeah if it's any consolation i think they're great <laughs> okay that's that's good because <laughs> yeah well, a bit self-conscious about stuff like that when i've done it myself like ah, because the album cover is so good, but yeah, I think it works. Oh, it does for sure. What uh, what's the process like? How do you how do you come up with a single al- or sorry a single image? If that makes sense. Yeah, I start you know, like brainstorming, trying to just come up with ideas because when I'm 
well, when I listen to music in general and well, especially our own music, I like get this uh, these pictures in my head, almost like like watching a movie, like it's a soundtrack or something. So I try to find some of those images and see what I can make technically with my sort of limited Photoshop skills. And uh, yeah, that's like what I found that I thought would work well. And it did? Yeah, I think it worked pretty well. And I just open up Photoshop and stop, start making some stuff. Yeah. You might as well experiment. Yeah, that's a big part of it also. Just trying different stuff and see what looks cool. And so the artist um, that did the album cover, what's his name again? Tobias. Tobias. He's German. His last okay. name, I'm not quite sure to how to pronounce it correctly. Roch. Roch. Something like that. You're probably closer than I would be. Yeah, he's amazing. Are you going to work with him on upcoming albums? or? I assume if when we do like another full album, mm-hmm. I assume we're going to work with him again. What was it like seeking him out and working with him for the first time? Well, when we did the, the Follow Therenia album, that's like a sci-fi concept album. So we were looking at all this really cool sci-fi artwork just for inspiration and stuff. We noticed this same guy had made a lot of those really cool artwork that we found. Like, maybe we should just ask him if he, he would be willing to do like a metal album cover. And he was up for it. He thought it was really cool. So I was like, whoa. And yeah, it was really fun to work with him. I just, I told him about the concept and the stories and what I, what I pictured in my head. And he like brought his own stuff and like made it a lot cooler than I thought it even would be. And uh, yeah, the same for the Embers album. So he's really amazing. It seems like it would be difficult coming up with uh, a single image to kind of cover the entire album. I think there'd be just too much going through my head. Yeah. Like there's so many things you can choose from something that like captures the vibe of the whole album in like one image but uh, I think uh, I think he did a really good job I think the album cover for the fall of Therenia was quite unique Um, being in the cockpit of a spaceship looking down at a planet was pretty cool yeah very atmospheric kind of like the album itself yeah I think it's really cool and uh, the he had a different idea in the beginning where you were like down in the a city and the city was like on fire and stuff. But, and that sounded cool, but it sounded also a lot like our first album cover. Okay. Because he hadn't seen that. And I showed that to him and I was like, oh, yeah, that's maybe too similar. And then he came up with the cockpit uh, thing, which was really awesome. Mm-hmm. It worked out well, and again, the contra- uh, the colors contrasted really well in the front. Yeah, it's beautiful. So with your newest album, um, it tells the story of how the planet was essentially destroyed by humans, uh, or at the hands of humans. How did you choose to cover this topic, and why specifically is that important to you? Well, it's uh, 
just a lot of what we we see all the time and like even more just as we keep going we just see more and more the planet you know going to hell basically it's a bit almost eerie like we we were had a lot of the same stuff on the first album from 2011 like a lot of that stuff when uh, all everything that's you know wrong with the world and the environment and everything back then and it's like even worse now now so that's like yeah just one of those things that keeps going around in my head like um uh the album is like takes place uh, like many years in the future like looking back at well what the hell happened why this did this all go to hell and well we're in the middle of that right now where well maybe we can still make a difference and make it not go to hell <laughs> and this was released before covid as well so it's kind of interesting that it yeah. had that theme and covid followed yeah so covid came along like yeah yeah another thing <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, just all this stuff keeps happening that's so messed up in the world. And, well, we'd like the world to be a better place. You know, we have pretty brutal music, but the the lyrics always have, like, a little bit of hope Mm -hmm. in them. Even though sometimes you have to look a bit to find it. Yep. Because we sing about some... You know, not so nice stuff, but you found you find some uh, hope in there. I think that's important. You know, even though Earth stuff looks really dark, there's always hope that it's going to be okay. And you have to just keep looking around. But your um, your single "Breaking the Gloomhammer," uh, Gloomhammer, sorry, it actually confronts uh, the darkness of mental health and having the strength to overcome or live with that. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that, like, we just have a lot of, or not we, but where am I going with this? There's a lot of positive messaging in metal that I've been coming across lately. Um, is that something that you want to revisit as a theme in your new music? Yeah, I think so. so with, with the other albums, we hide stuff like that in, you know, the concepts and stuff. So it doesn't, it doesn't sound very personal necessarily because it's like inside some sci-fi concept and stuff but with breaking the gloom hammer since it's just a single and not on a full album with the concept and stuff it's a bit more personal a bit more of a look inside and that was you know a conscious choice but also a bit different but with people struggling during this whole covid time it seemed like you know a good thing to sing about basically people struggling with mental health you know trying to get some positivity you know it's going to be okay well i think like mental health has always been a concern but right now it's just easy to focus on it because the spotlight's now being shone on mental health, uh, mental wellness, 
and there are ways to overcome things. Yeah, exactly. And it it's okay to talk about now. It it used to be you you didn't really talk about that stuff, even though yep. people were going through and struggling with stuff. But it was a bit, I don't know, maybe taboo almost to talk about. I would say so. Yeah, but now it's, you know, people are okay with being more open about it. And that's great because a lot of people are struggling with the same stuff, but they think they're alone, but they're not, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the most important thing if you are struggling is to reach out to somebody. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, with more artists coming out with music that, that deals with hope and strength and overcoming adversity, I guess it it's something else for people to latch onto. People have always gone to music and other forms of art for uh, motivation, um, to feel better, to feel something. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's easier to open up about it if someone you look look up to is open mm-hmm. about it as well. Exactly. Yeah. Lead by example. Yeah. So when um, you've disguised all of this, all, all of these real, real world issues into your music uh, through science fiction and um, like a story, how did you choose to do that? And do you pull from personal experience as well? Yeah, it was, I think it was mostly like a video game thing in the beginning. Like the first album was like inspired by some, uh, you know, Halo and Mass Effect and some games like that. And we want we wanted to have like some concept because well, that sounded cool. We wanted to have like something that was a big bigger than just us to make something that was like a bit epic and big and awesome. And it just kind of stuck and became a thing. And we we did uh, we did inject like our own personal stuff in there, but it's kind of hidden. So I don't I don't think it's that obvious a lot of the time, especially if you you know. You can't always tell what I'm growling about, <laughs> but if you if you read the lyrics, then maybe you'll find some stuff here and there. And you know, we're singing about war and the planets and you know Mother Earth and stuff. So yeah. you you can get you know you can catch some of what the stuff we're thinking about for sure. How did you learn to growl? Well, it's the basically the classic thing where well, we don't have a singer. Someone has to do it. I guess it's me. And I just have to figure it out. <laughs> so, that seems like something pretty difficult to figure out. Yeah. But I just figure it out somehow. I just tried. And in the beginning when I was singing, this was before Aspherium, but I had tried more to be like James Hetfield okay. type vocals. But then, you know, we got more and more heavy as we went along. And I, we had this song called 
Y in an, an old band called Abnormal with me and our bass player in Asperium, Torgeir. He was also in that band. And I had this demo version and I wanted to have like a scream in the beginning where I screamed, why? And I didn't know how to do it, but I, ju I just tried with a microphone, this cheap microphone that I plugged into my computer to record. And I just went for it and somehow I just figured it out. And it's what? hey, how did I do that? And it sounded cool. And yeah, I never really knew what I did, but now these days there's all this, uh, on YouTube, there's all these vocal coaches and how to growl. And I, I watch all of those and I think I do false chord growling. I never do what I did. I just did something. But uh, after watching that, I think I do false chord growling. I think. If you don't mind me asking, what is that? I have no idea. There's some you don't use your regular vo vocal cords. They're the okay. The false vocal cords. I think they're above the regular vocal cords. Interesting. So, yeah, I, it's really confusing. I'm not totally sure. But the there's also. Uh, uh, some other styles, but that's it. Sounds like that's what I do from what people are describing it as, mm -hmm. and that's why you don't mess your regular voice up when you growl because you don't use your regular vocal cords. Don't they don't make that noise? Interesting. So does your throat feel terrible after a show? No. I think I'd be coughing all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But if you do the right technique, it, yeah. it shouldn't hurt. But if we, did, if we do a really long show and I'm like really tired, the technique starts messing up a bit and I start using the wrong technique when I'm really tired, then it can be messed up. But if I use the right technique, it's, it's a, not a problem. And you guys are starting to incorporate uh, more clean vocals into your music. Uh, is it hard to go back and forth between the two? No, usually it's okay. We we don't go back and forth like really quickly a lot. That's if we do that. I think we only try that with cover songs, maybe. But it's, you know, I can growl and sing. It doesn't messed anything up so at least for what what we do it's not a big problem that's good yeah <laughs> it would be pretty bad if that was a problem <laughs> yeah then I, I don't know what we would have to do <laughs> maybe we had to s switch between us someone just singing and someone just growling in the band maybe <laughs> but it seems to work out yeah it does. And you, you play the guitars. Is it hard to keep track of the guitars while you're singing? Yes, that's uh, really annoying. But How do uh, you do it? Yeah, just practice. But I, oh, I've, okay. you know, I've done that since I was like, you know, 12 or something. So it's a lot easier than it used to be. But I don't think about how difficult it's going to be to sing when I come up with the vocals over the riff. So I had to figure out 
how to do it after we've already made the choice that it's going to be like this. And that sometimes it's really hard. But I think I can do everything we've done. There are a couple songs we have, we have never done live. But I think the most difficult one we have done live, which was is from uh, the Therenia record. We had um, Bjorn uh, Speed from uh, Soilwork as a guest artist on that song. Cool. So he sings on the album. But like our most difficult riffs are in that song and also has a lot of vocals at the same time. So that's that one is really difficult to sing and play at the same time. But so for that one, when we started playing it live, I had to practice a lot. But yeah, just practice. Start slow and it's almost like playing drums because you're singing like one rhythm with the vocals and playing something else. So like two different things at the same time. But yeah, just practice. You know, you, do, you have to do it. You don't mm-hmm. have a choice. So you just have to make it work. When you guys are gearing up to get ready for a show or a tour, um, what does that look like for you? Like, obviously there's practices involved, but how much time do you normally give yourself and in, in what capacity? Yeah, it usually starts with seeing if we're going to play something we haven't played in a long time or in some cases, something we've never done. Like when we did the touring or touring for uh, Embers, since a lot of that got cut off due to COVID. It's, we played a lot of new songs then that from that album that we you know, hadn't done before since the album was new. So it starts with, you know, everyone practicing at home, figuring out their parts, and then we get together and practice together. And um, also figure out some songs, maybe it should flow into the next song, where should we have a break? And also, songs have different tunings, where does it make sense to switch guitars and stuff? So, yeah. And, you know, starting out with something really cool and then having something that takes it to another level and then maybe slowing it down a bit, you know, and finishing with our something popular, you know, making the set flow in a really cool way. That's also Mm -hmm. pretty important. And also figuring out what songs works the best live. It's not always the songs we like the most, that people enjoy the most at, at a show. So, yeah, I think that's what mostly what goes into it. Is there a certain song you like opening with? Yeah, it's we have opened with the the title track from uh, Therenia. That's a really cool opening song. You know, it starts with this synth uh, type intro and it builds. So that's like a really cool opening song. The last shows we did for the Embers album, we opened with that title track. 
that was also really cool. But that's a much longer song, so it's a bit, that's a bit different. Yeah, we we like making the opening track on the album work really well to open the live show. So we usually play the opening song from the most recent album as the yep. opening song for the live show for the most part. And those seem to work pretty well, all, all three of them. I'm just guessing from uh, somebody who's never performed in front of others, you can't just put a random song in the middle of your set if you choose to do something different. Like it seems like it all has to be planned out. Yeah, it depends. We started playing to a click track a while ago. So then we have to plan all the songs to have the right click track and have like, we have some synth parts and some samples and stuff that we have on the backing track. And if you do that, you have to play to a click. So everything happens at the right time. And if and you do that, track, that's like a, oh, sorry, a click track is a metronome. It's something that just keeps yeah. your timing on. Okay. Yeah, so we hear click, click, click in our head. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that has to be planned out. So when we do that, we, you know, there's everything just goes as planned. You can't just, well, you can, you just stop the, don't play to click if you just want to play something different. But we usually just plan out everything in advance and play it like we planned. Maybe do, you know, an extra song at the end if this is a really good show and people want, want us to play something more. Mm -hmm. Maybe we do something that wasn't planned. But for the most part... It's not it's not a lot of jamming or request stuff or something anything like that for the most part. You mentioned that you guys did some covers uh, or you talked about cover tracks. Do you enjoy doing covers? What do you think of like metal artists doing non-metal covers? Yeah, it's it's fun to play covers. We don't really I agree. We don't really do them. A lot or at all basically we have we've done like we played like a show for a friend like at a birthday birthday party and stuff and we played a lot of different covers and stuff and it's fun but like some bands get known for covering a song like that's what they're known for and that feels a bit weird yep so yeah, I don't know. We haven't, we've mostly played cover songs like pretty much the same way the original is, like metal songs that we like. We pretty much, we just do it for fun, basically. Usually not at our own shows. We did a few times, with, we did The Vidian by Machine Head many years ago. I don't think we've done 
much else beyond that at like regular shows. No. One of the first things we did before we were a band, uh, me and uh, Sorgeir, the bass player, and Bjorn, before we started the band, we played uh, at this, uh, they went to this music school and there were this all these shows at this uh, club right outside the school. We played uh, Cowboys from Hell. And I think we did Walk. And that was really cool. That's when we figured out this drummer would be great for a new band. Yeah, but beyond that, we don't really play much cover stuff. We jam at the um, practice space, you know, just for fun. Yep. That we do quite a lot. Did you guys ever have to practice remotely? No, we didn't try that. I don't know if anyone figured out the latency and stuff. I feel like it would throw you off. Yeah. I heard that there were some solutions that worked, but I, I don't know. We didn't we didn't try that. So that was that sucked not being able to play together. Now everything is opening up a bit, right? Yeah, now we can, you know, play and hang out and do. That's good. Things are pretty much back to normal here. Do they have any masking laws or anything? No, now it's uh, it's pretty much back to normal. Maybe maybe a bit too much. So, you know, use a mask if you're sick or if you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So you and the bass player for Asferium were in abnormal... Uh, before and how did Asferium start? Well, it started basically. We decided that the other guys in the abnormal band weren't serious enough. Okay. Yeah. So they they had a lot of other stuff going on that you know took more time, and we noticed more and more at when we were practicing that. They hadn't practiced a lot, and we wanted to do like more technical stuff. And uh, yeah, they they couldn't really do the stuff we we wanted to do. We wanted to take it to another level. So we yeah we decided we had to start a new band. And uh, does Abnormal have any music like on Spotify or on the internet anywhere? I haven't looked. It's not on Spotify. I th there's, I think there's some YouTube videos. Okay. And maybe a couple songs somewhere. But yeah, it's it's really old. We never we never really recorded anything that we were super happy with. Okay, more of like a a live band maybe. Yeah, there were some cool live shows, but you know we had a demo and. We didn't really have the time to make it as good as we wanted to. But some 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 of the songs on the first Asferim album started out as abnormal songs. Interesting. Yeah. There were songs that I had planned to use in Abnormal that 
never really made it that got turned into Asperium songs. So there's a couple of those. Also a How song get- from uh, our first, the Asperium demo. Mm-hmm. There's one song that we didn't uh, re-record for our first album. That song was a song that we played live with Abnormal. A song called World on Fire. I'll have to listen to that after this. Yeah, it's... Well, I guess it's only on YouTube. Yeah. How did you guys come up with the name of your band? Uh, Just trying to find something that wasn't already taken. You know, just coming up with something. And I just I had this notebook with just pages and pages of different stuff. And I started trying to piece different stuff together and I had like atmosphere, something something, sphere. Somehow I combined something into Aspherium. That was like one of the names in this long list and just that kinda sounds cool. Maybe And it stuck. Yeah. That was like the one that sounded the best. And it didn't mean anything. Asferum.com was available. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's our own word. So, yeah, just stuck. And then you also play in another band called Ocular, if I remember correctly. Yeah, or we did, me and Bjorn. Oh, so you're not part of them anymore? Well, I don't know if it's broken up, but Okay. So not nothing really happening at least because we were hired to play all this crazy music the like the mastermind of the band Andreas Obad he comes up with all the music he write it, writes it in guitar pro this uh, guitar program that he can just program everything into and he doesn't know how to play the stuff himself and it's really, really difficult. And he just asked us to play this crazy music. And it was a lot of fun and really challenging. And yeah, and I sang as well. We did two albums and one live show. And it was really cool. It's a lot more technical than Aspherium. Yeah, it's quite experimental. It's really weird. It is. You know, you can tell that he doesn't think like other people when he's making music. There's this awesome riff and some weird melody that's maybe doesn't quite fit comes on the, over the top and it sounds really strange but also cool. So yeah, I think people would like it. There were a few tracks that I, I quite enjoyed and then others, like you said, were just kind of all over the place. So I didn't, it wasn't really my thing, but very complex music for sure. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but it was a lot of fun and great practice. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was super difficult to play. So what's the most difficult thing about playing technically? Um, like obviously your fingers are moving quite fast. You have to move up and down the neck of the guitar, but like, What's the most challenging for you? Uh, you know, get getting everything, you know, artic- articulate and 
getting every note out right. The most difficult is when you're like switching strings really fast and trying to not get any string noise or hitting the wrong string and stuff. At like the rubbing tempos. sound? Yeah, and also okay. if you switch strings really fast, it's really easy to hit the wrong string when you don't want to. That's, uh, yeah, that's difficult. And, you know, we're perfectionists, so the, even the tiniest mistakes, like, oh, no, I have to do it again. So you've had to learn then not to look at the guitar while you're playing. Yeah. I guess everyone has to, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, but uh, when you when you sing at the same time, you don't you can't always look at what you're playing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I would get sidetracked and just stop singing. <laughs> yeah, and in the beginning, it's like that. You have to. Well, what am I doing? I have to look at the guitar and play, and I'll also have to like switch effects on the pedal board at the same time. It's uh, yeah, it can be a mess sometimes if you mess something up. You know, you can just lose everything. What kind of effects do you have on your pedal board, and what do they do? Uh, we use uh, an Axe FX two, which has you know every all these different amps and effects that you can imagine, pretty much, and. I have uh, like a basic uh, distortion patch that is like the main sound. And then I have add some delay when you do the like guitar melody stuff and uh, a lead patch that's, you know, louder and with uh, delay and reverb for the solos when you want them to be louder. And we have a couple sections that have this like um, low gain sound, like more of a rock sound, mm-hmm. and some clean, clean sounds for the, you know, the mellow sections. So you have to keep track of all that stuff and change things on the fly while you're playing. Yeah. Holy. Yeah, that's <laughs> really no annoying. And for some reason, I when I write music it seems to a lot of the time go i'm singing and i have to switch to a guitar solo sound while i'm still singing and have to start playing the solo and that's you have to start looking down to hit the right switch and sing and play the right on the guitar at the same time that's uh yeah there's been some mistakes in moments like that on shows Luckily, you're going to be the only one to notice that. The fans are going to be still thinking you're crazy. Yeah, usually. Yeah, for the most part. Interesting. Holy. Yeah. That's a lot. How do you guys look back at your old music and and decide what to change? Well, when we we listen back and there's certain songs that, you know, we still think are awesome. And there's some songs that are like, eh. Maybe that one could have been better. And wow, we should do more of this and less of this. So that's what we... I think that's the main thing we do. 
and also what what haven't we done what will be cool to do we we have so many ideas like the difficult thing is to like figure out what to work on because we have so many different ideas like which of these ideas should we turn into a song that's like what we're working on right now like should this riff be a song or should this maybe this riff should be a song just choosing what what to work on that's like one of the most difficult things right now and you guys don't seem afraid to evolve musically either no we're we're pretty open to do whatever we want because we've been we had a lot of different stuff in since the first album you know we had you know the death metal and thrash metal stuff but we had clean singing and mellow stuff on the first album as well and like more groovy stuff heavy stuff so we always felt felt like we can do whatever we want pretty much and people haven't really seemed to complain about that so i guess maybe the biggest change is more clean vocals i think maybe that's the biggest change but i think that's pretty natural you start you know feeling more confident and then yeah it's just it sounds good it just it adds some interesting layers to the music so yeah I would have to agree like you guys you have slower parts you have some very uh, melodic and instrumental aspects to your music but you also have the really fast and aggressive like crushing tracks as well so I think it's a wide a wide range of music but it all seems to work well in, in, in within their within their albums yeah so we we work a lot on piecing the songs together like making them flow even though there's a lot of different parts different styles in the same song some long songs but you know it's all very intentional put together to like take you on this journey that makes sense and yeah that's what we try to do and you guys have incorporated like a lot of different aspects of different types of metal into your music um one that was listed on the metal archives was black metal so obviously being from norway you're you're familiar with black metal history at least a little bit yeah um for anybody who doesn't really know which i don't think there are many but bands like mayhem immortal uh dark throne birdsome and some other you know black metal heavy hitters have come from norway uh do you still see a, bl a blatant black metal influence in norwegian metal yeah there's there's like this uh underground true black metal thing that's going on right now like people want you know the old school black metal again so that's pretty popular at least in the underground these days with some you know underground bands that do it like they did in the old days mm -hmm. that, that's uh, happening and 
it's been pretty common to incorporate some black metal elements like we do into other styles as well with the you know the evil tremolo riffs and stuff that sound really dark so it's uh it's not as big as it used to be maybe with i don't know if there's any really new really big bands right now that are like really black metal focused but maybe i'm just out of touch that's possible (laughs) (laughs) i think for a lot of us we are (laughs) yeah there's so many bands you know you miss out on so much exactly it's crazy do you personally like black metal yeah i like it Uh, who who are uh, some of your favorite groups i think uh probably emperor and immortal it's like two of my favorites Tokke, which is a bit newer but they're also amazing uh, there's a newer band called Afshi that I really like I like um, Mirkur oh yeah from, I've heard of from them. Uh, Denmark yeah, that's also really cool. A lot of really beautiful, clean vocals. You know, I was always wondering how to pronounce that, but I'm glad you Yeah. Mirkur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of good stuff still going on. Yeah. So then growing up in Norway, you uh, you obviously knew of like the church burnings and all the, the bad history, I guess, with black metal. Um, so just a little bit of a story. Uh my foray into, I guess, metal. Uh, one of the first albums I brought home was a Marilyn Manson CD, and that was bought. My my dad bought it for me, and when my mom figured it out, she lost her mind. Yeah. She's like, Do you realize what you've done? And you've sent him down a dark path, and all this stuff. Anyways, so the reason I wanted to say that is, I'm just wondering, did your parents have any um, reaction to you getting into metal? Uh, how did they talk to you about, you know, this this black metal group burning churches? Uh, well, my parents are really cool. They never had any problems with the music I was into at all. I think that they always just understood that the people that were doing the, you know, the crazy blackmail stuff, burning churches and the murder and all that stuff, you know, they didn't represent all the regular nice people in metal. You know, most most metal fans are just you know, regular people, nice people. Yep. So they never had any issues with the music. And I remember seeing stuff on the news about the church burnings and the, you know, Varg Vikernesm, the, the killing and stuff. But yeah, they never thought I would get into any of that because of the music. And they were right. That's good. Yeah. So that wasn't really an issue. There were a lot of people, other people that thought we were Satanists and stuff with the Abnormal Band. Yeah. Just because we were playing heavy music, we we weren't playing black metal at all. 
it was more like new metal maybe i guess okay yeah or yeah a cross between new metal and just metal but people still thought we were satanists we had long black hair and stuff uh, do people still have like a resistance towards uh, black metal or just metal in general in Norway? Yeah, there are still a lot of people that don't get it and don't give it a chance. Just it's just noise. They're lost. No. Yeah, and yeah, but there's not there's not a lot of focus on the black metal church burnings and stuff anymore. I don't really hear about it much these days. Yeah, I haven't heard anything from for years. No. How did you get into metal specifically? Uh, it was uh, a friend of mine that we played together in our first band when we were like 11 years old, I guess. He played, he had gotten the uh, live shit Metallica live album the mexico city one yep and they played played us uh, one the live version from that cd me and another friend and he was he didn't want to tell us what it was because he thought we wouldn't like it so we just played it and we were like whoa what, what's this this is awesome like, oh it's metallica like wow that's really cool and that same this was 1996 the same year, my dad bought me the Load album by Metallica. Yep. So at the same time, I got that CD from him. And I was like, oh, this is the same band. And it sounds really different. But it was also awesome, I thought. So I got, got into Metallica. And I guess just a couple of months later, I bought a guitar and started practicing. You know, so it was... Metallica was the the gateway into everything. So, yeah. From there, it just got into the other bands, Slayer and Megadeth, Pantera. And, you know, it got more harder and more brutal from there. Yep. Yeah. So, in and out of metal, who are some of the bands that you're enjoying right now? Right now, I'm... I'm listening to the new Archspire album. It's insane. It's, yeah, it's insane. Like, yeah, it's not like I just want to put the guitar down. Like, how are you doing this? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm listening to that. And uh, I'm listening to this um, ambient stuff from this artist called 3-6. Okay. This... You know, super ambient, just super mellow stuff. It's totally on the other side of the spectrum. But that's also really cool. So I I listen to a lot of different stuff. So I like to, you know, switch it up. I like the new, you know, uh, Lorna Shore stuff. All that crazy, crazy new deathcore is it even deathcore anymore? I'm not I sure. have no idea. But the first time I heard that Lorna Shore EP, it blew my mind. And then um, I think not too much 
I think a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so before that Lorna Shore EP came out, uh, Mental Cruelty came out with their newest album called A Hill to Die Upon. And yeah. it was pretty much on the same level for me. It just, it crushes. It's insane. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. What else? There's, there's so much, you know, I, I have this list on Spotify that just add all everything I found find into, and it's it's so long. There's so much new music, and there's um, I like the new Mastodon album. It's really long, so I haven't gotten through the whole album yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really like the first half at least. That's really cool. So then you're probably into like Rivers of Nile. Yeah. What do you yeah. think of their new album? It's uh it's got some mixed reviews, but I've heard mostly good things. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. There's kind of a tool yeah. sound, I think. But uh yeah, I I really like it. I think uh it's like a natural progression for what they've been doing. Yeah, that's a great band. It's like they fit a bit with our stuff in a way. Yeah, I think I I've only listened to their album uh, probably two or three times. I'm still I'm still undecided, but I'm I'm enjoying what I've heard and kind of it's only been really while I'm doing something else, so I haven't been able to focus yeah. and hear what the songs have to offer. Yeah, I listened to it uh, a couple times when I've been out walking. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good way to listen to music for me. Just take in some nature and listen to some good music, and yeah, I think it's really good. I don't think it's their best album, but I still I, I still think I have to listen to it a bit more before mm-hmm. I can like really decide. You know, some albums start start out and you it's like eh okay, and then it and ends up being you know, maybe your favorite album of all time. Yeah. And some albums can start out awesome, but then you get tired of it really fast. So 100% for yeah, sure. You can't really decide before you've listened to it a lot and given it some time. To be completely honest, um, when I was first introduced to most metal, I didn't, I didn't like quite a bit of it, but over time it just started to grow on me. And then now I can't get enough of some of the bands that I used to hate. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, weird how like that, that happens. Yeah, I remember I thought uh, Kill Em All by Metallica was too heavy. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, I remember my first, um, the first song I heard from Metallica was Enter Sandman. So when I went back and I listened to Kill Em All, I was like, this isn't even the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't Why believe is he it screaming was so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. So you, you take, um, I know we're going back and forth here, but something I do want to talk to you about is video games. Cause you mentioned you've taken some inspiration for, uh, from those to your music. Uh, yeah. what are some of your favorites? Uh, well, it's gotta be the halo series and the mass effect trilogy. I like, um, the Deus Ex games. Uh, what else? What am I playing? Uh, Dragon Age. I I like, you know, the Fallout games. Yeah. 
yeah, I like I like the Western RPG stuff a lot and science fiction, you know, stuff that's big and epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, are there any games that you're lot. looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to Halo Infinite now. It's been a lot of ups and downs. But uh, the last stuff we've seen looks really good, so I'm hoping it's good. Forza Horizon 5, it's coming out, I think, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, it would be about uh, that time. Yeah, that's. I'm looking forward to that. Was Halo made by Bungie? Yeah. Are are they is Bungie still doing the Halo series or is somebody No. Else? So 343 Industries took over when uh, Bungie is doing the Destiny games now. Okay. Which I also like but yeah, it gets a bit too much for me. Like too grindy almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a lot of games have gone that route. Like you look at, I mean, something that kind of helped me through the pandemic was Warzone. Uh, just, you know, hanging out with friends and stuff like that. But it seemed like it was very much in your face. You're constantly having to spend time on it to do anything, really. Yeah, that's, you know, I remember it used to be played a game just because it was fun. Mm-hmm. Now you have to unlock everything. There's, you have a pa- battle pass. You know, you have to have this progression and unlock all this stuff. It's, you know, it's fun and it's, there's this dopamine kick in your brain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm not totally on board with all that stuff, but yeah, I get it. But it would be cool to just play something because it's fun, not because yep. you have to unlock all this stuff. Like, seems, like in the olden days, you get new yeah. outfits because you do something cool in the game. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess that's the way it is now. Every new game has all that stuff. Even single-player games has stuff like that now. I remember reading in one of your interviews that you were a fan of Witcher 3. Yeah. That's did you end up playing Cyberpunk? Yes, I did. And what do you think of it? I haven't played it. Yeah, it's it's clearly not completely finished. Mm-hmm. But I really like the story and the characters. I played it on uh, the Series X. I think the the Xbox One and PC, PS4 versions were apparently the really bad. I didn't have too much issues you know a few there were a lot of weird bugs and glitches and stuff but yeah it just it wasn't finished it was like police were spawning out of nowhere and just cars and stuff were randomly disappear so yeah and it's still not fixed so i don't know what was going on at CD Project Red when they someone made the decision to say, "Hey, this game is done, release it." That was uh, yeah, a big mistake. The glitches in, or at least from what I saw on YouTube, they reminded me of the glitches you'd see in something like The Elder Scrolls or Fallout. Yeah, there's a lot of 
you know, some glitches can be just like funny, mm-hmm. and you know, it doesn't it doesn't really take you out of it too much. But yeah, I think it was a bit too much, so it started, you know, hampering your enjoyment. But it was also difficult, well, especially in like Fallout and those games that are so open, you can just, you can do so much weird stuff that you can't really, you can't test for all this stuff that people can do because you can do anything. So how do you test for all that? It's almost impossible. But yeah, it kind of sucks, all these bugs. It's interesting. Video games used to come as a complete package, but now it's like you download a little bit here, a little bit more there. They fix this, they wreck this. Yeah. Changing over time. Yeah, so that's do you how take, it is. Um, with the video games, you also said you put some of that inspiration into your to your music. Uh, what about the imagery and stuff like that? Do you take any imagery from video games or is that something that's completely independent? Uh, no, I think that has uh, inspired us. Like uh, for the first album, we were inspired, but we were playing Halo 3 ODST a lot. And there were certain sections in that game that would like inspire what we wanted the album cover to be. So that's the most direct thing, I think. And uh, the follow Therenia has uh, like maybe a Mass Effect vibe. And um, Embers is like uh, a bit post-apocalyptic, so that would be like Fallout in a way. So yeah, there's so much cool artwork and design in these games, so you can get inspired, you know, just looking at some of these cool worlds. Pretty much anywhere. Yeah, just, hey, look over there. That that could be an album cover. Like, that's and so then cool. Have you guys decided what direction you may be taking uh, artistically with your, with your new album? Well, or your new music, sorry. Well, um, yeah, it, I think we're going to do an EP next year. Just because it's, you know, easier, cheaper. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, we're not quite sure what it's going to be, but I think it's going to be, at least parts of it, going to be about nature and animals. And uh, I'm not sure quite how it's going to turn out. It's going to be really interesting. It's... uh, our drummer has like this idea so he's kind of the mastermind behind that idea and that's kind of fun that it's not me for once yeah yeah it'd be so, kind of cool taking a step back and seeing what else somebody else can do creatively uh, creatively yeah so that's yeah that's exciting so i'm looking forward to really diving into that we're we have a lot of different ideas musically right now. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good mix of uh, heavy stuff and 
fast stuff and yeah it's going to be really varied and i think a lot of different uh, maybe the influences from different styles of music not just metal interesting so, yeah i think it's going to be really cool i will keep my ears out yeah marius uh before we wrap things up here is there anything else you'd like to say to anybody listening i just uh thank you for listening and thank you for checking out our band if you have if you haven't you know just go to spotify or wherever and search for Asferium and you can listen to our music hopefully you'll enjoy it thank you so much for spending this time with me marius yes it was my pleasure it was awesome thank you for inviting me thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal please don't forget to like share and subscribe the podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.